Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And here with us again today is Jeff Pollard, principal analyst at Forrester, to discuss the recent attack, WannaCry, and ransomware, and its implications not just for today, but what does that tell us about the threats facing institutions and companies on a worldwide basis? Welcome, Jeff. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Jeff, can you just level set for the audience what happened on Friday? Absolutely. It goes back a little bit beyond Friday to give the entire context Mm -hmm. of events. Over the last few months, we've seen a steady release of attack tools that supposedly originate inside or or from, I should say, the National Security Agency uh, from a group called Shadow Brokers. And as those uh, leaks have dripped out over time, people have analyzed the attack tools themselves, talked about how reliable they were, in what situations they were used, perhaps what versions of operating systems they could potentially be used against. What we saw happen on Friday was someone take one of the sets of attack tools that were released a few months ago and turn it into ransomware. So using the attack tool, converted it to an attack tool that now would actually lock down a system so that you had to pay a cryptocurrency, in this case Bitcoin, in order to unlock the machine. What's interesting about this one is that it spreads via the network. In other words, this isn't a piece of malware that you have to get a user to click on in their inbox or you have to get them to visit a website uh, that you might want to send them to to infect them. If a machine is vulnerable to it and it connects to your network in the form of a physical connection or via a VPN, right, a remote user that logs into the network, it can then spread and propagate. And so what we saw is taking advantage of that ability to spread by the network, this attack tool, dubbed WannaCry, Victor, as you pointed out, this ransomware, was able to actually spread worldwide, beginning in portions of Europe, but making its way by the end of Friday Eastern time into China as well as into the United States. So, Jeff, I want to take a step back a little bit and and talk about it from the lens of asymmetric warfare. You have a small number of actors creating fairly significant global disruption. Now, mind you, it was centered in Europe and Asia, but nonetheless, global. And there seems to be an obvious parallel to terrorism, sort of pre-Al-Qaeda. There was a very localized, reasonably disorganized set of random acts that that were terrible unto themselves, but really unable to create a global impact. And then you had this organizational structure show up. So the acts may be local, but they were very organized. Are we seeing the same thing? I I think that's absolutely correct. While we don't know the threat actors that are behind WannaCry, and we don't know the entirety of their motivations, though certainly because it's ransomware, we can assume a financial motivation. What we absolutely can see by a propagation of the attack itself is that it doesn't take much to be globally disruptive uh, to business, to nation states, even from a cyber terror perspective. And it is truly asymmetric to your point. You don't need a massive force in order to ultimately reuse, in this case, an attack tool in a way that it was not initially designed. 
I think why that matters so much for organizations as they look at their overall threat model, as they look at their overall risk posture, is that you ultimately have to understand what you're planning for. And you need to understand that the type of threats that you might be preparing for don't necessarily match you as an organization. In other words, you can be disrupted by an entity much smaller than you are. And that's part of the reason why it's so important for organizations to prepare what we call the digital extortion decision tree, which is where you figure out what you would do in a situation if you were held really hostage at the mercy of ransomware. So essentially making the assumption that you will be, it's a matter of when and how badly. Absolutely right. And in this case, the organizations that were targeted by this are happenstance, right? This was not a campaign to infect the NHS or various ATMs or some of the other companies out there that have confirmed that they've been affected by it. This was an opportunity for this threat actor, at least it appears to be until we know more, to make money. They, they wanted to monetize this particular attack tool created by someone else to, to get paid for it. Unfortunately, what we've now seen is that, it, you know, Regardless of what their initial intentions were, it was able to spread around the world in less than a day. It also does make you wonder, in the situation where someone actually wants to attack you in order to do you harm, which we saw in uh, South Korea a few years ago when a particular piece of malware was written called Wiper that actually began to wipe ATM systems, when an organization decides with intent to actually attack you and do you harm, that frankly is even more concerning in this case, everyone breached might be a side effect of a monetization effort by an attack tool author, but there are absolutely cases where this has been done with the intent to do harm, and you can see the implications of each one of those. If this is how bad an accidental infection could be, imagine how bad a purposeful infection could be. You know, I imagine that you know part of the problem is as the events begin and the impacts are starting to be realized, people really don't know how bad it really is what it really is. And so to your point, you almost have to be ready for something larger than might actually take place. And maybe not just simply from an extortion standpoint, but also from a full-blown business continuity where you have to engage public relations, you have to start thinking about your brand. I mean, the implications can be fast and far-reaching. Absolutely. So FedEx is one of the companies that came out on Friday and confirmed that they had been infected. And immediately on uh, Twitter, there were people saying, I went to my local FedEx to ship uh, a, a box or to try to pick something up, and they told me they couldn't help me, or I called in to FedEx customer service, and they were not available because their computer systems were down. So to your point about brand, customer experience, customer engagement, all of those are reputational issues as a result of this particular cyber infection, right? So security really having an impact on customer sentiment and how customers are talking about and organization uh, through social media. In addition to that, it also really indicates the operational challenge and the complexity that we have specific to technology when it comes to operating technology, maintaining technology, and updating technology. So Microsoft released a patch for this particular exploit in March. Uh, it's been available since then. And so lots of people said, well, just patch and you're taken care of. Well, if this hits you, it's too late to patch, number one. So if you're in one of the affected companies, it's too late for you to now deploy patches to every system. And frankly, if you could have patched already, you probably would have. So there's likely some compelling business reason that stopped you from doing it. 
So to your point, I think that what we're seeing play out in real time is the brand and reputational issues that come as a result of this by people not being able to receive the service that they needed from particular entities infected by the malware. But again, we're also seeing that operational balance of what it means to use, maintain, and secure technology that ultimately touches every aspect of business operations today. Yeah, because the the hack at one level creates instant security threat and, and a hit to the financials. But the reputational risk, as you described it, that could be a three, six, nine, twelve month uh, reduction of revenue or losing of customers. I mean, the financial impact of not responding well or not responding quickly can be quite excessive. Absolutely, and and customers are going to remember that. So, if you were someone that went to ship a package on Friday, and you know FedEx could not help you, for an example, did you? come back today to ship that package? Or instead, did you drive five minutes away or maybe even next door to where you were and attempt to use UPS instead or a competitor? That, that's the real question. So there's that immediate harm. But there's also that customer perception and brand and reputation issue, as you point out, that are you going to be able to get that customer back? So if you had created a sense of engagement with that particular customer, have you now sabotaged that by having a security issue? So every step forward that you took has actually been pulled back as a result of the security problem. Yeah, and I think part of the, the challenges with the Russian hacks and some of the concerns for state-sponsored cybersecurity is that the public is much more sensitive to these items. This is not a, a backburner issue. So when they see this happening, they're paying very close attention to the nature of the response because it is so apparent in our day-to-day lives right now. 100%. And, and what's more, you know, think about if you are a patient of NHS in the UK, on Friday, you were turned away from getting lab results. You were turned away from surgeries. You could not go visit the, uh, your physician. They were telling you that if you had a medical issue, uh, to really make sure it was an emergency before uh, you called kind of 999 or the NHS version of, of 911 here in the U.S. So that is a, a massive concern when you think about the experience. So you're definitely right. One of the things that Heidi Shea talks about quite a bit here is that being breached is not a problem any longer. Instead, it's how you respond to that breach, right? There's a, there's a way to do breach response correctly, and there's a, a way to do it incorrectly. You know, clients and, and customers of organizations understand that the company will suffer from a breach. I think I have nine different versions of credit monitoring, right, as a result of, of various breaches in the past. But at the same time, I have a much more sensitive response to that if I think that it could potentially have dictated uh, someone in elected office or even more personal to me, if myself or a member of my family is waiting for lab results that we're already anxious about that I now can't get because computer systems weren't updated, uh, whether they weren't updated for legitimate reasons or just uh, it, you know structural and inertia issues inside an organization. I don't really care. What I know is that I was anxious before and I'm even more anxious now. So, Jeff, when this happened last week, we saw many organizations or folks on the front line, you know, unplugging their computers and sort of sending customers back. Is that really the right way to deal with uh, an attack like this? Or were they simply just paralyzed because they didn't have plans and policies in place? Whether or not it's the right way to go about something like this. I, I think only those organizations can make the determination for that. We, we weren't in their shoes, and I think we have to be sensitive to the, the consternation, right, and the, the paralysis, to your point, that they, that they could have been facing. But I, I do think what's particularly important about this is 
we don't know how well rehearsed and prepared they were for this event. And it's part of the reason why incident response tabletops and other things are important from an information security perspective so that the first time you have a company-wide ransomware outbreak like this, that your immediate reaction is not to say, we need to just send everyone home. That might, in fact, be the right choice. That might be the right thing to do, but it may not be. But if it's the first time you're dealing with it, then you're probably not making the best choice you could. It's the reason why athletes practice. It's the reason why, you know, actors and others and dancers rehearse is because we know that the first time, right, we're not always going to do it the right way. We're not going to make the best decision uh, that we could. We're not going to do uh, we're not going to give the performance justice. So that's exactly why we take those steps. And so a big part of this is about preparedness. And a big part of this is understanding as an organization, if we have an outbreak this widespread of a particular piece of malware, ransomware that's holding our data and, frankly, now our customer experience and customer engagement hostage, are we going to pay that ransom? Under what circumstances would we pay that ransom? What would have to be at risk for us to do that? Uh, in a situation where it's healthcare, is it that patient care is hurt or that a, a patient's life might be at risk? Is it worth it to pay uh, the extortion in that scenario? And that's part of the reason why as part of organization's tabletops in our 2017 security recommendations, as well as our top security threats for 2017, we talk about ransomware and digital extortion decision trees as a key point of those, because you do need to talk through with your executive team, with your legal team, with peers in IT, uh, whether or not you would pay a ransom under what circumstances you would, as well as the right way to respond to this. You don't want the first time that you're seeing it to be the first time that you're thinking through these issues, because it's going to look like it if it's the first time, whereas if you practice this, you're just going to be substantially more capable and handle it better. Yeah, part of it is is knowing what to do or you know, making those choices beforehand. The other part is, is that your point on rehearsals, people need to be practiced to be comfortable employing those tools and employing those processes, which is if, the fir- if you know what to do, but it's your first time, it is still awkward and is still prone to mistakes being made at the front line of the business. Absolutely. And, you know, if you spend time with a coach, one of the things they'll tell you is that if you're memorizing the playbook, you play slower. Uh, if you're thinking about it, you don't react as quickly. You're not letting sort of natural athleticism or anything else take over. And that's exactly what's happening at a, at a procedural level as well inside a, a security operations team or inside a company as they're making these decisions. Because you're doing it for the first time, You not only are you more prone to mistakes, but just by definition, you're going to be handling it in a much slower fashion than if it was rehearsed and understood where there is a sense of teamwork, where you've handled it before, and where you know what the person next to you is going to do, and you know that they know how to do it, so that way you can focus on decision-making, not focus on what the next step is in the process. So Jeff, I want to be nostalgic for a second. We had the opportunity to speak with you several weeks back about Internet of Things um, and security, and really the argument there was enterprises are increasing their use of technology to deliver experiences. They're increasing all of the technology at the edge with the Internet of Things, creating more vulnerability points. At the same time, the the nature, scope, and and risk of or the impact of cybersecurity is increasing, and it's showing itself in different forms. We just we just talked about WannaCry. So, Jeff, based on what Victor just said, there is a lot to take in. What does it all mean for executives today? I think the first thing that you have to do is 
understand that there is no barrier between digital and physical any longer. I think that's been one of the most fascinating things to study uh, from the perspective of WannaCry. The fact that with this particular piece of ransomware, we've seen it impact patient care on one continent. We've seen it impact transit systems on another continent. We've seen it shut down ATMs. And we've also seen it cause customer experience issues for one of the largest uh, companies in the world that spread its way to social media. So everything that you do as a business now is now connected and extended as a result of technology. And so you can't look at anything that you do as it relates to your customers, your business, your revenue streams as separate from technology. You have to look at it as, uh, you know, digital and physical are intertwined. That really brings me to my second point that organizations should be thinking about as a result of this, which is that you need to understand and threat model based on your customer journey and your customer touch points. The ways that you are choosing to engage with your customers and the experiences and engagement that you are looking to create with those customers all increase your attack surface. They increase uh, the threats and the risk to your organization. And so because of that, you need to work with your security team. If you are a CEO or a CMO, or if you're a CISO, find the stakeholders that are responsible in other areas of the business, whether it's application development or marketing, and really help them build out a threat model that incorporates all of the different ways that you as an organization are choosing to interact with your customers and your clients because that is a way to create alignment between security and the customer journey and customer engagement and customer experience that today doesn't exist for most organizations. And I think those are the the two primary things that WannaCry has highlighted here. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate your time. Yeah, I have a funny feeling we'll be seeing you quite a bit here in the next couple of months. Thank you, Jeff. I look forward to it. Want to know how to protect your company from ransomware? Download our free report on ransomware protection best practices at 4.com slash security. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash security. Thanks for listening.